Zero. What's going on, everybody? Um, this is Adam and Bruno here. Hello, all. With our currently unnamed uh, cigar podcast. Uh, hopefully, by the time you guys hear any of this, we'll have a name picked out. But right now, we are so excited to just talk cigars. It was like, you know what? We'll worry about the name later. Let's just uh, let's get to it and let's just talk some cigars. So that's kind of where our show is going to kind of sit. You know, it's it's going to be talking a lot about cigar culture, um, the industry. Bruno, Bruno and I have both been in the hobby of smoking cigars for a long time. Uh, and we both spent a, a fair amount of time working in the industry as well. Um, and so that's an area where we're going to we're gonna talk about a lot of that. We're going to talk about some of our in- industry experiences, and hopefully we're going to leverage some of those, and we'll have some cool guests that we'll be able to get to come on and talk with us. Um, but a lot of this is just going to be just cigar guys talking cigars. What's the best, that to me anyway, that's the best part about smoking a cigar is sitting with your friend and having a good conversation. And that's exactly what our goal for this podcast is, is, you know, let's be true to what this really is. Let's, let's hang out. Let's not over script this. Let's not overthink it. Let's hang out. Let's smoke some cigars and let's talk cigars like we would normally be doing anyway. Something that we all do when we smoke cigars with our friends, have good conversations. So with that, that's kind of the introduction of the show. Um, you know, hopefully we will get a better introduction put together. Uh, I'll work on that, but let's get in. Let's uh, let let's meet your hosts here. Like I said, my name I'm Adam. Um, been in the to I think I started smoking cigars originally in the early 2000s. Uh, it was very random. I just happened to be at a very large uh, party store in my area here that has a walk-in humidor, and just completely randomly I was walking past the humidor and said, you know what? I think I'm going to try smoking a cigar. And that night I bought my first cigar. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was probably something really stupid because I knew nothing about cigars. Um, but I bought it. I went home and I had some, some friends over that night and I smoked the cigar and just really enjoyed the experience. Uh, and I remember spending the next, it was probably, I think that was probably a Friday or Saturday night. And I remember Monday going to work and spending most of my day at work um, hitting cigar forums um, for the old people that remember forums. Uh, just reading messages and learning more and more about cigars. I was just infatuated with the culture, and it was all downhill from there. Um, since then, you know, I, I've stayed inside the, the cigar community. I've worked in the industry. I still love smoking the cigars. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about about myself, how I, I got into cigars, how I got into the industry. That's a little different story. We'll, we'll get to that, but. Um, with me is Bruno and let's, you know, Bruno, how, how, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. So it's kind of interesting that you said you old ones that remember forums since I am the old one of the two of us and my introduction is cigars. You know, I was born in the sixties by the eighties. It was really cool to try and be Clint Eastwood and you go to the store and this was when they were still selling alcohol and tobacco to kids that were under 18 because right. the laws weren't as strict <laughs> so we'd go in we get the backwoods we'd think we were clint eastwood so on and so forth so through the 80s i moved down to this area probably in the uh, 1988 actually in the early 90s i started kind of expanding you know do i want just to smoke these swisher sweets or backwoods eh, not very much taste no so i started <laughs> looking around and Back when malls were still a thing, I know they're still around, but not as yeah, much as they're, they used they're to a be. sad sight. Yes, unfortunately, anymore they are. 
there was a store in there called uh, crap I forgot the name we were just talking about this. I know we were. Was it was it Tinderbox? It was Tinderbox. See, I told you I was Literally, the older one we of the were two. Just talking about this less than five minutes ago. That's okay. When you're old, you forget things rather quickly. So I went into Tinderbox, saw that they had some cigars, and I'm like, "All right, let's try and expand this a little bit." So I just bought some. Just had a bag with. I don't even remember how I used to keep them humidified. Just put them in the bag and I'd smoke them and didn't know how to really cut them proper or light them proper, but I worked my way through it and then started to get a little bit more serious. So probably mid-90s, I was smoking a little bit more cigars and then kind of backed off for a little bit. But what really got me into it and really got me going into this is in the late 90s, I had a business trip where I ended up in Sweden with somebody who to this day I'm still very good friends with. And we were sitting in an establishment over there having some drinks. And the gentleman who I'm friends with said, do you smoke cigars? And I said, yes, I really love a good cigar. And it took about a minute. And this very beautiful Swedish waitress taps her hand on my shoulder. I turn around and she's holding a box and she opens it up. And it's this nice assortment of all kind of different cigars. Nice. (laughs) So I'm like, how many am I allowed to get? (laughs) <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, as many as you want to smoke. So that's I grabbed awesome. two or three and started smoking them. So that's so probably late 90s is when I really got into, okay, I'm going to do this a little more serious. I'm going <clears> to <throat> start to learn a little bit more about it. As Adam has, I've spent some time in the industry. To this day, I think I'm, well, not I think. I know I'm still smoking at least a cigar a day. Yep. <laughs> so... So let me ask you real quick, uh, let me stop you and ask, do you remember what any of the cigars you smoked that night were? What you took out of that box? Oh, God. Because you were in Sweden, right, you said? I was. So they were possibly, possibly Habanos. Well, the only thing I do remember is that they all were, but to ask me what brand, okay. considering I couldn't even remember the word Tinderbox from five right. minutes ago, <laughs> you really want me to remember what I smoked 30, almost 40 years ago? Fair enough. Uh, but no, they were they were all uh, Habanos, so they were all Cubans. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> That's a much cooler story than mine. Yeah. And as we've been talking, I think my first, since I asked you, I, I think the first one I bought was I think it was a um, possibly a curly head deluxe. Uh, I remember looking at cigars and thinking, "Wow, uh, this is the first one I'm going to buy." And man, that's kind of expensive. So I think at the time I was able to get like a curly head deluxe for like three dollars or something. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely not as expensive as as they are now. But I think even when I got into them, that was. I can't remember if that was the end or the beginning of the cigar boom through the nineties. Yeah. See I kinda I missed that. I remember I remember the boom. I remember my dad like overnight kinda like getting into cigars and I think getting the, the JR cigar catalog sent to the house and you know, he just like literally overnight I remember waking up and seeing my dad he'd be like, Yep, smoking a cigar. I'm like, Well, where, where did that come from? And then just as quick as that happened, it was gone. Um so yeah, I, the boom, that was a, uh, an interesting time. Cigars were everywhere, and then they were nowhere. Yeah, I think um, during the boom is when I was still very much into my experimental stage. I think it wasn't probably until the 99 or 2000 when I started this search 
as I called it, with people who have just started smoking cigars, the search for my, which cigar do I want to smoke every day if I could actually afford it? And yeah. So it's an, that was an interesting journey going down that. I smoked a lot of different cigars. So, man, you're like a pro with this. That's a perfect segue. You're, you're looking at the uh, the outline there. That's a perfect segue. So what, uh, if, if you had, let's, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to not... What's, what's your grail? Not the one you could smoke every day. Because I think when you smoke a cigar every day, it, you definitely, the shine starts to wear off of it. Uh, I remember that from, from my time working. You know, when, when I had just basically open access to something like Opus, it just, yeah, they were, they were always good, but they just weren't the same after that. Uh, when I could just, anytime I, really, anytime I wanted, just go grab an Opus. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, but what's the one that, you know, you can have one cigar like this is the last cigar you were ever going to to have. Tomorrow you're you're never allowed to have another cigar in your life. What's the 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 grail for you? What's the one that you're you're grabbing regardless of the situation? You know, this is the one I'm going to. So it's kind of interesting that you say that eventually it loses its luster. From my perspective, you know, I searched <laughs> for a very very long time to find my holy grail. And I think in all those years of trying all kind of different cigars, I think there was actually only one time I threw a cigar down and went, nope, can't do it. <laughs> I just was like, nope, 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 it ain't happening. Yep. So I found my holy grail probably 2003, 2004. And I still to this day, so that's going on 20 years, still to this day, it is still my favorite. And if I was allowed to only have one cigar until I died, it would still be that cigar. But to your point, I have had other cigars that were really, really good that I enjoyed. And eventually, yes, there were times where it's like, okay, I'm I'm not finding this cigar nearly as enjoyable as I used to. I mean, some house brands that I've found, I've been like that. Yeah, it's still good, but it's just not, not quite the same as the first one. I think is how I look at that with like, you know, I used Opus in my example, you know, I would never say, I would never turn down an Opus ever in my life, <laughs> um, <I> either. <laughs> but I, I think for me, it just, it's just changed a little where, you know, it was a thing where it was, it was a rare thing that I could get my hands on one. And when I did, I, I cherished it. Uh, and then suddenly it wasn't so rare and I could get them pretty much almost any time I, I wanted an Opus, I had access to one. Um, and something just to me, something was just different about having them at that point. Then it, it, then it was just, I think it was a snowball effect because, you know, then it was like all the regular Opus, you know, to me, that's just not special anymore. Now I need, uh, you know, now I need something else. Now I need the, uh, the forbidden, what is it? The, the forbidden city, the lost city. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now I've got to start looking for the, the the even (laughs) rare things. The rarity chart shifted on me. I think that's just human nature. When we find something, we got to find out, well, did they actually make it better than it was? Yeah. Instead of just accepting always on what that is. So, so going back to to what you're saying, so what is what what is the cigar for you? <laughs> Jorge de Monterey Epicure Number Two. Yep. It's still, I was <laughs> believe believe it or not. Well, you knew that. I knew it. Yeah, I knew what it was. Uh, I was just waiting to see if 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 it had changed. Nope, it has um, not changed. And, no, as you, as you started telling that, I knew exactly where that was going. I mean, it was yeah in the round twenty two thousand one two thousand two. Went up to Canada to see a uh, really great J. 
Genesis concert. It was actually called the Musical Box. They do reproductions of Genesis concerts, which is really cool. But, you know, being up there, we had access to stuff you don't have access to right. in the States. So yep. uh, me and a friend of mine that were up there, we went into a store. I bought a couple before he got there. We smoked those. Then he looked at this one and it was 30 Canadian. And he's like, I'm going to buy us these. And I'm like, um, dude, that's <laughs> stupidly expensive. We don't need that. And he's like, well, we're on vacation, so money well, really doesn't matter. <laughs> and I would know that we smoked them in the hotel room. And I would say it took, because you never know how good a cigar is going to be when you first light it. you got to give it a couple minutes. But I think at the same time, the two of us looked at each other and said, this is the one. Yeah. I know that feeling. I know that feeling when, when you have that one that just, it's just perfect. And, and I think a lot of that, it's weird because... You know, you talk about the cigar, and this is a cigar that you've stuck with for years. But I, I wonder at times how much of that is the moment as well. How much that plays into that? Because from my experience, you know, my parents lived in Tampa for a while, or Clearwater, Tampa area, and I remember going down to visit my parents and having a, a house blend cigar down there. And I swore at the time that this was the best cigar I've ever had. Um, I smoked it with my dad at their place in in Tampa, Clearwater, and it was an amazing cigar. Now I've never smoked that cigar outside of that environment. And I'm really certain that if I had that same cigar today, it probably wouldn't be as good. Um, so I, I always factor that in is did the environment have any effect on that? But with you, it's a cigar you've carried with you for years. So I, I really don't think that uh, that that plays into it because you've stuck with it. You've had it outside of your, your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Which, the point you just made, though, it, it is a valid point. I have no doubt that you know, I still, every once in a while when I'm smoking one, unfortunately I can't smoke them as often as I want because they have gone through the roof as far as price and availability. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there still are times when I'm smoking one that I, I'll warp back in my old feeble mind back to that day when just the look on both of our faces of <laughs> finding that specific cigar. Yeah. What's your holy grail? So my grail, that that's a tough one for me, man. I... You know, because the one that that I think is my grail, I've only had once or twice in my life, and it would have been early on in my in my cigar journey. Uh, I remember I had only been smoking cigars for probably less than a year, uh, but I went down went down the floor <laughs> hard. Uh, I I loved spending time smoking a cigar. I was living with my parents at the time, so me and my dad pretty much every night through the spring and summer, we would sit in the backyard, we'd smoke cigars, and I loved it. So I, I went down went down the, the slope really hard, and I found a forum that I really enjoyed being on. I wish the forum was still around, but it's, it's gone now. Uh, it was years ago. But I found this forum, super nice people. And, and one of the things we're going to touch on is your entrance into the cigar space. It can be awkward at times. Um, and this particular forum was very, very friendly to, to newbies who were open to learning. And, and I completely was. So I was into it. So I went to this forum. And there was a a sub forum for they asked everybody to create a wish list. And at the time I really didn't know what a lot of these cigars were. I went and looked at a lot of the other members' wish lists and kind of copied some of those. Um, and a lot of those were Cubans because as an early cigar smoker, you know, Cubans still had and I think to this day they still do, they still have that mystique to them. Uh, because they're not readily available. Granted now they're a little easier to obtain here in the States, but they're still not just on the shelves. So there's that mystique to them. So I added a whole bunch of Cuban cigars to my wish list. Um, about 
I guess six months after that, there was a an event on the forum. There was there was a a pinball game on this forum, and somebody set somebody put set a ridiculous high score on this pinball game, and they said if anybody can beat this high score, I, I've got I've got a, a special prize that I will send to you. I'll, I'll grab some cigars off your wish list, and I, I've got a prize for you. And I said I. I've got this because working in IT, I'm at my computer all day long. I can sit there and play pinball all day and it looks like I'm working. Um, so I did that. I sat there and I played this pinball game all day long until I beat this high score. Um, and this fellow messaged me. He says, hey, I've looked at your wish list. I've got a few things that are on there. You've got a package coming in the mail. And I, I was I was excited. Uh, he sent me some really, really nice Cubans, which as a new cigar smoker, I wished now looking back that I would would have held those a little bit until I understood cigars a little more uh, rather than just getting them and going, oh, man, I've got Cubans. Let's go. Uh, but I had a I believe it was it was a Monte Cristo. I believe it was a number five that I was sitting at the kitchen table with my dad and the Monte number five. I think it was the number five. I, I, I'm a little I, I would have to look at the, at the, the dimensions on the five because it was a small um, almost like a petite Corona size, but I remember lighting it up and I had read on the forum, people always talked about the, the kind of the, the Cuban zest to a Cuban cigar. It's a note in the Cuban cigar that just doesn't really exist outside of, of true Habana. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'd always wondered what that was. And I lit this Monte Cristo up and immediately I got that flavor on my palate and in my, I just lit up and said, that's it. That's what they're all talking about. That's the zest. And I, the guy in this, the, the fellow had sent me, I think he sent me three of these. And I smoked one. I gave one to my dad. And we smoked them. And they were just, it, it was amazing. And again, I, it goes back to, you know, I'm sitting there with my father, enjoying a cigar, having a conversation. Um, and it was amazing. And I had one more. And I remember having it. And it was the exact same. Since then, I've, I've just... I've slacked, and I've I need to break down and just order a box and see if that still is my one. But ha- if I had to pick one today, like I have my favorites, but that's the one that when I think of you know the last cigar I'm ever gonna have, that's kind of the one that comes to mind. Um, you know, recently I had the um, what I have the Don Carlos Godfather or what was that the I don't remember what I had. It was the Don Carlos was it the Godfather that I had at Blaze. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was pretty special. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I've got some favorites, but that, that Monte Cristo, maybe that may be my grail if I absolutely had to pick just just one that that's left. Um, so, you know, that's to be determined. We're gonna I'm gonna take that up this summer, and I'm gonna find out if that's still the one uh, for sure. We get an order put in. Uh, so, you know, moving on from from the all time favorites. Obviously, we have our favorites. We have our daily favorites. You've got your your everyday smokers. We'll cover some of that. At some point, we'll hit those topics because I feel like, you know, we, we probably have some some hidden gems between Bruno and I from from working uh, at a really cool spot where we had the opportunity to sample a lot of cigars. Uh, and I think we were able to find some hidden gems that way. Um, so we'll have some of those conversations. We'll talk about some hidden gems. We'll talk about uh, one of the things when I was coming into the space that I was always kind of on the look for was that, that uh, inexpensive cigar that you could just buy boxes of and just, just have it as your daily. You know, that's that's a conversation that I think a lot of people are would be interested in is that, you know, and that's not for today, Bruno. This is something we will we'll get to in the future, but something to keep in mind, you know, is what's a good, do you have a good bargain cigar that, you know, you know you can go to at any time and is it going to be a great cigar? No. 
Is it going to be a good cigar? Yeah. It's going to be good. And it's inexpensive. You know, I think everybody has that. You find those bargain cigars that you just like. And you like them because they're inexpensive. If you smoke half of it you, and you you got to go mow the grass and you got to throw it in the ashtray, then eh. What? Yeah. No way. No, I, know, right? I don't yeah. smoke half cigars and put them away. Never, 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 never. <laughs> um, but no, that's a conversation we'll have. So, you know, we've talked a lot so far. I think we've, we've said, or at least I've said a few times, you know, Bruno and I have, have spent some time in the industry itself. So let's move into that. Um, that's actually how Bruno and I met. Um how many years ago was that, Bruno? Do you remember? Oh, God. Because I don't. No, I would... S- Do you remember what year that would have been? And if you guys can hear that, that's my wife. She's sitting so almost listening. 11 years ago. It's almost 11 years ago. So, yeah, uh, Bruno used to work at a B&M that was near my house. That was my regular kind of go-to place. It was right around the corner from my house, basically. Uh, Bruno used to work there. And one day, uh, I would... I would send uh, my wife up pretty regularly just to pick me up some cigars while she was out. Like, hey, if you're going to the grocery, swing by there and, and grab me. You know what I like? Grab me a couple cigars. Well, one day she popped in there and said, hey, are you are you guys hiring? Um, and they're like, well, yeah. And so I ended up working at a B&M with Bruno. That's how he and I met. Um, we worked at this B&M together. But we didn't necessarily work together very often, which was no, disappointing. Yeah, that was Bruno and I worked alternating schedules. So if he was working, I wasn't. But that's you know we we worked at this at this local location for a, a number of years together, and we spent a lot of time around a lot of cigar people um, in the industry, and that was super super cool. Um, that gave us a lot of I think insight into how things work in the industry. Um, it was super cool to have reps come into the to the shop. And just say, hey, uh, you know, I'm a rep for brand X, and we we've got this cigar we would like to get on your shelves. And the rep just leaves some cigars and things, you know, small brands at the time that you may have never heard of. I remember one of my favorites. And Bruno, you could jump in here at any time. I, I, I can't jump in I, because I know I, know I get spun up and just go. It's not spun up. It's the fact that I worked on the weekends. Yeah. I yeah. never had anybody come get... in and give me free cigars. You had all that. So I remember one of my favorite nights, one Saturday night. Um, I was working uh, with uh, with our buddy. Uh, I guess I could say his name here. I was working with our buddy Matt. Uh, he and I were working. It was late, close to close. Uh, it was slow, <coughs> slowed down. This particular BM, we were open until 9 on Saturdays. And usually at about 7.30 forward, it got pretty quiet. So we were we would listen to music and just kind of hang out. Well, I remember this fellow comes in, comes through the front door, and this guy looked like an absolute giant. I mean, he he came to the counter, and his head was almost hitting the light above the counter. Uh, he comes in and he says, hey, nice to meet you. He says, my name's Omar DeFreas. Um, I run a cigar company called Fratello Cigars. And he pulled out a couple of the first Fratellos and laid them on the counter and says, I want my cigar in your shop. And we both kind of looked at each other and, and Matt said, well, all right. He said, you got you got the right guy here. And, and that was one of the cool things. We would have that, I don't want to say regularly, but that was just one of the, the cool things of meeting. You know, I met Omar before Fratello had really blossomed into something the way it is now. Fratello is... A pretty known company out there and the first line of fratellos was just coming out they had very very small um footprint in the space but here's omar standing in front of me saying hey i want my cigar in your shop um and i remember that night we we actually clipped the cigars right then and smoked them and it was like wow okay let's let's do this so that was one of the cool things about working you know about the, that's how we got into the industry worked at a b&m and that's how bruno and i met and we had tons of tons of stories like that, meeting cigar people from the industry, tons of cool stories. 
meeting the Newmans, things like that. Uh, always cool. Uh, the the fellow that that owned the B and M that Bruno and I worked at had a great relationship with uh, with with the Fuente family. He most certainly did. Yeah, yeah it, it was not out of the ordinary for for Carlito um, to hear that name or to hear that Carlos Carlito was coming to town. Um, so I mean, we we had a lot of cool experiences there. And hopefully we can leverage some of that, um, and that's going to take us. You know, Bruno, do you have anything you want you want to throw in there about how, about you know your time in, in in the industry, how we met, anything like that? Before I move on, no, because you pretty much covered it. Unfortunately, working just on the weekends, I didn't get to experience yeah as much of having cigar reps because like everybody <laughs> they else, come in through the week. yeah, like everybody else who works normal, they were coming in during the week. So yeah. I would hear a lot of the you stories. And every once in a while, there would be one that would come in on a Saturday, but I got to hear it, not experience it. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. I, I miss I, I miss our time there. That was a lot of fun. If you had to, that was my. I tell people that was my hobby job. It was mine too. Yeah, Bruno and I are both. We both have professional careers, and we worked our hobby job because it was fun. Well, we worked our hobby jobs to pay for our hobby. To pay for our hobby, exactly. Yes, that 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 was not a bad part of that no. either. Uh, the discount was not, you know, was never a bad thing. So since we're, you know, we're talking about B and M's, this is where we'll pivot into to the main topic for this episode. Uh, and this is something that, you know, dates back a while now. This isn't anything new. Um, the B and M versus the internet, you know, are, are B and M's, are, are they still relevant? Uh, I know in my time there, business, you know, we would have people that would come in and do the the thing that I think a lot of people do, not just with cigars, but Come in and look at the price as something, and then just to get a price for it, and then go see if they can find it cheaper online. Yeah, and I think this happens a lot, not just cigars. Oh, I yeah, I do it. I do it for stuff on Amazon all the time. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> if I can get it cheaper, I'm ordering it off Amazon. Exactly. Uh, and that's where you know I think it's an interesting thing because with with the cigar industry, obviously you can order any cigar you want off the internet. It's you know there are numerous places. There's obviously there's the big ones. You've got you know here in the U.S. you've got JR. You've got Cigars International. Um, and you can pretty much get any cigars you want off the internet. Is there still a place for the local brick and mortar? I believe there is 100%. And I would, I, I agree with that. I think there is because the, I think what a lot of people don't see is the brick and mortar fills a particular, I think, I don't want to say niche, but it fills something in the, the cigar. I don't know how to word this, the cigar hobby, the cigar community. Um, there is this very social aspect to it. And I think that the B and M fills that. Uh, it does. The brick and mortar that Bruno and I worked out worked at had a great community of people that would come in, and they loved cigars, and they liked to talk cigars, and they liked to talk cigars with other cigar people. And granted, yes, you can do that on the internet. You can go on a forum. You can talk cigars with other cigar people. But there's just something different about sitting down face to face with people that you enjoy being around, lighting up a cigar, and just seeing where the conversation takes you. And to take that even further, a lot of the places I've been going to lately, I find it fun just to sit with somebody I don't know. That you don't know. Yes. Yes. Amy and I had that same experience a few months back. We went to a new cigar place and we were just blown away by the um, the diverse crowd that was sitting around us. You know, we sat down, I lit up my cigar and the place was empty. And within 15, 20 minutes, we're surrounded by people of different walks of life that had Nobody cared about anything other than we're just here to smoke cigars and have a good time. And it was such a cool experience, especially with here in the States with the way things are. 
where everything seems so divided that, you know, here I am, I'm sitting at this establishment. The only thing bringing us all together was the fact that we, we were all sitting around enjoying a cigar. And that really seemed to just make the environment just so chill and so relaxed. Nobody cared about anything outside of that. Everybody was, was a friend at that point. It was super, super cool. And that's something I think definitely B&M's bring in cigars themselves. I think that's a huge part of it. Plus, how many times have we solved the world's problems over and over while we're sitting there smoking cigars? That's all you need, man. If we could just get world leaders together to smoke some cigars, maybe have a glass of bourbon. I mean, not that well, yeah. All would be right in the world. Not that long ago, we were at one of the local ones up near me, and it was me and a friend of mine who had never been in there. And, I mean, brick and mortars have such a place in my heart as far as doing this and it was three young men that came in i think one of them was a new cigar smoker and two of them weren't and they looked at us and they said mind if we sit in here and we pretty much looked at them and said have a seat as long as you're ready to talk and for the next two or three hours found out one of them actually doesn't live that far from me and what everybody did in the world they had some beers they were drinking and it, it was just I think we solve the world's problems. It's, <laughs> That's awesome. I think it's one of those places where more than any other place I've ever been, you can talk about the two biggest forbidden subjects and not make people angry. Yes. And that would be religion and politics. Yep. And everybody just seems to be open to that because everybody is just there because they want to enjoy a good cigar and a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that hits the nail on the head. That's what I think B&M's excel at. And I love that, you know, we have those local establishments where the cigar community can get together. And you can you never know what walk of life a person's from in a B&M. And, and it doesn't matter um, because all that matters is, is you're having a good cigar and you're just, it, it's such a chill, relaxed environment. And it, it's so perfect. Um, it's one of the things I love about cigars. Even if I'm not at a B&M, I feel like if I'm out, if I'm hanging out with people and I pull out cigars, the whole atmosphere just changes. It does. Um, everybody just seems to just relax and, and chill and it brings just a, a good overwhelming just yeah we're it, it's it's such a cool thing and i think every cigar smoker probably has seen this at one point in time where you know you, you give you give you sit around some guys hey i got some cigars and you just sit and you smoke cigars and nothing else matters at that point that's it's it's, it's super true. super cool so we're gonna take a slight pivot here because I, I feel like one of the things that i struggled with early on was specifically this um I would go into my local brick and mortar and I felt out of place a lot. It was very awkward because I was coming in as a complete newbie. I would look around the room and see all these guys smoking cigars that like I, I I've been doing this for less than a year. Uh, I just felt out of place and it was really kind of intimidating. Um, if, if Bruno, this is for you. If you remember the old shop before the move, yep. you walked in the front door and <laughs> you were in the middle of it. You were what? Yes, you were walking right into the middle of a conversation of, you know, more than a handful of people sitting around smoking cigars. Um, and as a new cigar smoker, as a newbie, especially as somebody that was relatively young at the time, um, it was very intimidating. And so I think the pivot here, because you know Bruno and I spent a number of years working for a brick and mortar, and one of the things that that I that I saw pretty regularly um, was you would have new cigar smokers come in and try to make an impression on the staff and the other uh, people in the brick and mortar. Um, and I saw a lot of people, I saw people come in that did that really well. They didn't try to make an impression. They just came in and, and just fit in. And then I saw people that would come in and try to force an impression and try to 
show how knowledgeable they were about the, the about cigars, about the topic, the subject, and really just make themselves look cocky and look like an ass. I would uh, agree. I've seen plenty of those also. So, and, and part of the reason I'm going with this is getting in good with your, your brick and mortar, with your staff at your B&M, there's huge upside to, to being on their good sides. I'm not saying they're going to give you free stuff, um, but I will tell you, you know, we had people when I worked at a brick and mortar that we, we can, you know, I'll say this, we considered, you know, hey, this is a good customer. This is, I like this guy. He's a good guy. If, if we had something, let's say, say special, say rare, you know, we had some, some opus come in that was off schedule. Maybe uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite November, December. Hey, we've got some opus. We had people that we would just call and say, hey, we got opus on the shelf if you're interested. Unless we bought them all. <laughs> Unless, exactly. <laughs> I was getting to that. Yep. But, you know, that, that's part of, you know, being a good a good customer will get you little things like that. You know, you'll get that call when something rare comes in. Or, you know, if the, the, the B&M knows that you regularly smoke a certain line, if something comes in that they think you might like, they'll let you know. Um, you know, on top of that, you know, if there's an event, things like that, maybe you get some preferential treatment. Uh, maybe you don't. I don't know. It's up to the B and M. But I, I think you have to you have to put set that that you have to work for that. And I think there's a right and a wrong way to do that. I agree. You know, I, I one of the things that would bother me was you could always tell when a cigar newbie would come into the shop. Um, the first thing I would say, we worked in a shop where the humidor was pretty much the full length of the front of the shop. And it was all glass, so we could see in everything. Um, a lot of cigar newbies, and this is something I'm not, I don't want to make fun of them, but I think this is something I see a lot of people do, that it's a pet peeve of mine, because it really shows that you're new to the space. Uh, and that's pick up a cigar off the shelf, wrapped in cellophane, and smell it. <laughs> yep, yep. I that, would have to agree with that. That, to me, as soon as I see that, I that tells me that you're probably a newbie, and I'm going to handle that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I would never call somebody out for that. Um, you don't, you don't, it's, it's wrapped in cellophane. <laughs> wrapped in cellophane. I mean, I've got one laying here. You can try. Yeah, yeah. No, Unless, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not talking about opening it up and smelling the foot. I'm talking about picking it up and running the cellophane under their nose. And I'm like, yeah, that, that, that. but I've also seen people open up the end and try and smell yes, it. Yes. I've seen that to go in. Yes. I've seen that too. You don't, you never go near being, you know, open up the foot of the foot of the cellophane and, and try to smell the foot of the cigar. Uh, don't open up the tubes and try no, smell no. cigars. Unless you're buying it. If you're buying it, sure, by all means. But if you're just there browsing, yeah, that that's a good way to get on your being on the bad side. <laughs> I would agree. Is you go and you go open up the foot of the cigar or you open up the tubes to smell them and then you put them back, you're going to make your B&M staff unhappy. And there are still cigars that don't have cellophane or a tube. Yeah. And picking them up and running them across the bottom of your nose yeah. and then putting them yeah. back is pretty much like double dipping. Yeah, yeah that's kind of gross. gross. It's yeah. very gross. <laughs> yes, I, I've seen a lot of people do that and wish that I had didn't have to yeah. see that. Right. Because, right. Yeah, there were times you would see certain people that you'd say, oh, man, please, I don't want to smoke that now. Um, but no, I mean, so, Bruno, you know, as an employee of a B&M, how, how would... How would somebody get on your good side? If somebody new, they're coming in, they're intimidated to begin with, but what are some, some easy things that they can do just to, to put out a, a good vibe, I guess, just to say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm interested, I'm here, um, I, I want to be a good, how does somebody be a good customer? Let's start there. So what I really, really enjoyed working at the B&M was, you know, I, I would normally, I tried to pe- treat people like I would 
want to be treated. In other words, when you walked into the humidor, I wasn't going to go racing in there saying, what can I do? What can I help you with? What can I sell you? I'd give them a little bit of time. You know, and they'd walk around and they'd kind of look. And you could always tell when they needed help. Oh, yeah. So I'd give them a little bit of time. They'd kind of look out at the where we stood. And I'd kind of open the door and said, is there anything I can help you with? <clears throat> the ones I used to enjoy working with the most, they were humble. They would just say, hey, this is new to me. I don't know anything about this. Will you please help me? And they would be very inquisitive while you're helping them. Well, what is, well, you know, what is this? You know, I'd ask questions like, you know, have you ever smoked a cigar before? Well, no, I've never really smoked a cigar. Well, we should probably start you out with something a little milder. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to make you sick right away. Well, why do I have to start milder? Because you don't want to really get sick. Not when you're just starting or you're going to stop very quickly. So people that were inquisitive and actually listened, you could always tell because... They would buy the cigar. Sometimes they'd go back in the lounge and smoke it. Sometimes they'd go somewhere else and smoke it. But the lounge was intimidating. Yeah. yeah. The lounge Very could much. be intimidating too, but I have hints for that one also. Yes. Yes. So, you know, they'd come back maybe the day later, four days later, whatever, however long. Sometimes they'd remember who I was and say, hey, that last cigar, man, I really enjoyed that. And they'd have to tell me what it was because, of course, I'd forget what I got them. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then I would try and expand from there. To anybody that's starting this out as a newbie, and Adam, feel free to speak up if you disagree with this. If you walk into your brick and mortar, and you go into the humidor, and you start looking around, and you ask for some help, and you're treated rudely, walk out and don't go back in. Oh, 100%, yes. 100%. As as a tobacconist, you know, we were always very much, you were representing the company, and, and yeah, I, I totally agree with that. If if the person is rude to you, you leave. There are places out there that that you will not be treated rudely. Exactly. Um, there are good places. You know, Bruno, Bruno and I worked at one of those specific places, and I may be biased because Bruno and I worked there. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Based on what Bruno just said is completely true. I mean, we would watch people go in the humidor, and you didn't need to pounce on them. You could always tell when someone needed help. Um, if, if someone was in there, they didn't know they needed help. No need to go barge in there and try to and try to help them. Um, so I mean, yeah, you as a customer, you should pick what which B and M is right for you. If if you're not being treated well, try another one. Um, you know, and, and look, take and some of the things like Bruno was saying. You know, look and say, have I done anything to portray myself as a bad customer before thinking that oh that be those employees were just terrible. You know, did you do anything wrong that that could possibly come across as Breaking, I don't want to say breaking the rules. You can say breaking the rules, like picking up a cigar and putting it in your mouth, yeah, and then putting it back. Yeah, Yeah. there are some things like that. Um, Etiquette, I guess, would be the word I was looking for there. Um, But yeah, definitely, you know, be a judge of your B and M. If if they don't treat you well, there are other other places, and that's and that's a good pivot point um, because we've got a few things on here, and and I don't want to run too terribly long here. Let's talk about loyalty in the brick and mortar section. That was a big a big topic where where you and I worked. Because we work in a place where we worked for a, a, I would say we were a smaller brick and mortar compared to the others around us. Um, And there was always a topic of loyalty, you know, as a customer. Do you shop at one brick and mortar or do you just, you go around, do you hit all of them looking for the deals or looking for what, what you're, you know, maybe there's a line specifically that you're looking for. Or are you loyal to your, your local place and, 
you know, they have what you want and that's where you go. You know, is that loyalty thing, is that real, Bruno, do you think? Or is that something that... I think it is real, but what I found myself doing anymore, because I've been worried about B&Ms for many, many years, and not only with the cigar industry, but with everything else also, I really try to spread my support out. Years, 15, 20 years ago, yes, I would have been loyal to one. In fact, I was. And I was so loyal to that one that I got hired part-time for X amount of years. Yeah, And that's yes. where a lot of us came from in, in this specific B&M is we were great customers that got in great with the local tobacconist. We were respectful of things. We did things right. We stayed loyal and we ended up working there. So Yeah. But anymore, I really try to support as many as I can. Now, that's different. I'm up there in my age i'm much further in my career you know i can somewhat afford to go you know spend money here or spend money there but i do think if you're loyal to one you will build a very very strong good relationship with yeah that that loyalty goes a long way in this industry for sure um and and i agree i think you know my i'm the exact same you know years ago yes loyal to one um and i ended up working there right right. Um, As I've gotten a little older, yeah, I mean, I, I've branched out, and partially, partially for me, it's because I, I moved, so my my local B and M wasn't so local to me anymore. Right. And I still go there. Uh, I still I still really enjoy that place. Uh, I still go there and see those people uh, whenever I can. But yeah, I'm saying is I feel like I, I try to spread you know, spread it out a little bit because you know if I focus on one, what about the other small guy over here that you know could use the business? I I want to see this this hobby this culture i want to see this thrive and the only way to do that is to try to support as much as possible um you know it's things like going to the to these b&ms going to these events um you know i i'm very awkward when it comes to going to let's say like a lounge um but you know here recently it's been it's been recent now it's been a couple months but you know i went to to a local lounge that opened up and i really enjoyed it and I, i plan on definitely going back there now because it was such a good experience uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I, I like that, you know, try to, try to hit all the small places, but yeah, loyalty goes a very long way. And I think that's, that's industry wide. That's not just B and M's. And one of the other things I was just thinking of while you were talking that, you know, we were trying to talk about what things not to do yeah. in a B and M or if you're really trying, um, I would highly recommend not going in there. You know, the internet is a real thing. We're all buying stuff online. I'm not going to sit here and tell you mm-hmm. I'm not. Yep. But if you're standing in a new store and you're in the humidor and your tobacconist says, hey, would you like, you know, here's a good one to try. And you look at it and go, man, JR only charges $4 <laughs> and you're charging yeah. 8 Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a very good way to say Whoever's that. listening to this, remember one thing. Yeah. These smaller B&Ms have a lot more overhead. Yeah. They have, they care about people. They're trying to promote the industry. These larger internet places, and I'm not going to say I don't buy from them. I do. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it for a very specific reason. You just you found your cigar that you're going to smoke all the time. And, you know, maybe you're trying to look for it for a better price. But remember, just because you have a cigar you really like doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying other cigars because you might find one that you actually like better. I'm still yeah, I mean, to do there that. are so many cigars out there. Why? I mean, I, I have my favorites, and I, you know, why limit yourself? There are so many out there that are just so good. Um, I, yeah, 
you, you gotta you get, that's the beauty part of hitting all of the local places you never know what they're gonna carry uh you may find something new um you know that if you could find that hidden gym oh man that those are huge i love that it's fun to find new cigars that you really yes. really really enjoy and the last one that I know I found that I really, really enjoyed that they don't make anymore was the the uh, Maduro. Oh, oh man, <laughs> I, that's all you have to say. You can I know I didn't even have to know the rest. Was. So Bruno is talking. What he's referring to is the the Davidoff. It was it the Davidoff Nicaragua? No, it Maduro? was the, it was literally called the Davidoff, just Davidoff Maduro. Maduro. Okay, it was a robusto yes. size. It was a robusto size. It was oh god, it was Davidoff. So you know it was it was it was ridiculously priced. Um, but oh man, was it special! Oh, it was so good. Yes, yes. <laughs> I missed and you know, that. and I, I sent you a picture about like, last summer. My my dad pulled one out of his humidor oh. that had been sitting in his humidor for probably four years. Oh, it's been. I didn't even know he had. He just we were out there one day at the pool, sitting there, and he says, "I got a cigar for you." I said, "Yeah." He, he pulls out that Davidoff Maduro, and I about lost my mind. Oh God! Like holy crap, where did you get this? He says, that time you and I bought them, he said, I've had one in my humidor just sitting there waiting for the right time. He said, I think it might have been my birthday. That I was That's a good time. Yeah. yeah. He said, "This here it is. So this one's yours. I said, oh, man. And immediately cut it, lit it, and then sent a picture to Bruno. Yep. And I was really, <laughs> I probably texted you something not so nice back. In fact, I'm pretty so, sure I did. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm pretty sure you did. I'm fairly certain you did. So um, a couple of topics I want to hit. We'll hit these quickly. The first one's a question for you uh, because we didn't discuss this, and this just kind of get your feelings kind of here on the spot. You know, one of the things as we we talked about doing this podcast, one of my my thoughts was doing a a pre smoked review. So by that I mean you know we will smoke the cigar before, not do it live because I think it's really it would be really hard to do live because setting has to be right. I mean there are a number of things that can sway the it can sway a review if it's if it's not right. So, what's your thoughts on you know we plan these things out in about sharing a review for a cigar that we had prior? I would be okay with that. I think it would be, you know, and like you said, trying to do it. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do it live. It's not, it's not because we're we're talking and I'm not able to focus on the cigar. We're talking. I'm drinking my energy drink and there's a lot <laughs> going on. And I I think it would be a disservice to to the whatever cigar it may be. I would agree with that. So that's why I was thinking maybe we would do those you know pre pre recording and just take our our written notes and share those uh, on an episode. So cool. That's something we'll plan for then. We'll plan on on working in some reviews. I think those those would be cool. My last question, and we'll try to to not run terribly long on this. And I think this will be a short kind of section here, you know, here in the States where Bruno and I live here in the Midwest, it's, it's spring. It's quickly moving into summer. Um, Bruno, does the change in seasons, does that change your cigar? So for example, you know, we equate this back to something, something else we both really enjoy beer. Um, I, I drink dark beers, stouts, porters. Yep. That's that's my go-to. Uh, in the summer months, a big, heavy imperial stout probably isn't the way yeah, to go not if so I'm sitting by the pool. Um, so, you know, I'll shift and I'll, I'll go with maybe something a little lighter, maybe a porter, maybe a brown ale. But... With cigars, did, are you? Do you have that in the spring? I don't. Do you, do you pivot to something different um, in the winter or anything, or are you just you know season doesn't matter. Season doesn't matter for me. There is what I try and do, and this may be something for 
an individual that starts smoking on a fairly regular basis, I try and mix it up. I mean, yeah, I have my normal, you know, I bought a bunch of these, so I'm going to smoke it. But what I try not to do, and I found this helps a lot, is not do nothing but smoke that constantly. Yes. Which yes. is another reason to go visit your brick and mortar and buy some little bit of variation. Because, you know, maybe I'll go two or three days smoking my normal go-to and then I'll be like, all right, I want to smoke something else. It, I think it helps not um, allow you to get burned out on what you're smoking. But yeah. as far as the season, nope, a good cigar is a good cigar. A good cigar is a good cigar. doesn't matter. And, and, and opus is an opus is an right. opus. It doesn't matter when it is. Um, <laughs> or the añejos. Oh, yeah. And añejos and añejo, right? So, uh, so yeah, okay. I, I, and, I, and I agree with that. I'm kind of the same. I, as I was writing that question out, I was thinking, was like, do I shift at all uh, through the seasons? And, and I don't think I do. I think I'm pretty consistent in that I'm, I'm very inconsistent to begin with. Um, I like variety. Um, it, it's rare that I will smoke the same cigar multiple times in a week. Uh, unless I get something that I'm really, really into and I'm going to be sharing it with, with friends. Uh, but I'm pretty... I, I don't know. I, I mean, I have my brands that I like, but I, the season doesn't really, I don't, it's like, I'm not going Maduro because it's, it's winter, uh, anything like that. So I, I'm kind of with you on that. Cigar is a cigar. It doesn't matter the season. Although Christmas season does seem to change a little bit. Well, that's, that's just because of the, come out. <laughs> the availability. Exactly. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the cigars. You get the Christmas availability. <laughs> yes. All right. So cool. I think that's where, uh, we're coming up 50 minutes. So we hit our target. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. So I think that's that's where we'll wrap for this week. I think we we had a good spot. Um, looking into the future, you know, this is something. This this is episode zero, so we're gonna revisit this. We'll give this a listen, and we'll decide between Bruno and I what we think about this uh, and how we proceed. You know, some of the, the things, the notes we had for for going forward. Obviously, you heard us discussing there. You know, we plan on having some reviews in here. Uh, one of the things that we hope to do is possibly leverage some of our, our contacts within within the industry, have some guests come on, uh, do some interviews, do some promotion work for whatever companies they may be with um, now. Uh, one of the other cool things is I have a son who is just now starting to get into cigar culture, and we may have him jump in with us and give us some pers- some newbie perspective because there maybe there are some things that Bruno and I gloss over because we've been doing this for so damn long now. Uh, it may be good to have a perspective a brand new person coming in with a different perspective on some things. So, you know, we may have that, that newbie person come sit in with us and contribute to the conversation. As he should. As he should. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Uh, his birthday was last week and we went out to his birthday dinner, had a great dinner. And we came home and said, well, what's up now, buddy? He said, you good? Was your dinner good? He says, yeah, but can we go get some cigars now? Uh, and I was like, that's cool. I was really, really excited about that. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see if we can't get him to jump on with us sometime and give us some of that, uh, his perspective on things. And like I said, we'll get some guests. We'll get some reviews. We've got some good ideas, I think, lined up. Um, the cadence on these, we haven't quite discussed yet how uh, regular the, or what the scheduling is going to be. We'll, that'll still still to be determined. We'll get that worked out. Um, but yeah, uh, that's going to be the wrap on episode zero. We're, we're going to hit the 50-minute mark. We have hit that, which is really super cool. I'm happy with that. I don't want to ramble too much longer. Then be quiet. I know. I think we hit all the topics that I had planned out, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I think we, well, I don't want to jump back to that. We could have talked a little more about internet. Well, Uh, well, about the internet. We'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, we can save that for later. We can talk specific internet stuff. And, you know, one of the things, 
uh, just for a topic for the future. And it's the big one. It is. You know, it is. It's the big one. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Cuban cigars. Yeah. It, 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 when when you work at a B and M, you would be maybe you wouldn't be surprised uh, at how many people come in and ask for Cuban yes. cigars. Yes. Not realizing and, and what the best <laughs> the best. And going back to you know we talked about how do you be a good how do you be, how do you be a good customer to your B and M. Here's a, a tip: Don't go to your B and M and ask them for Cubans. And then think that they have a secret right. club <laughs> that they give the Cubans to. Right. Because it, it doesn't work like that. They're not legal, you, everybody. They're yeah, still they're not legal. legal. I promise you, you can't go in and give them a wink like, I'm in on the secret. And they're going to pull out a box of Cubans and say, here you go. Right. Uh, here, have one for free. <laughs> Five it, for it doesn't, free. Yeah, it doesn't quite work like that. But we will definitely talk Cubans because while... You know, Cubans are Cubans. They they have that mystique to them. Bruno and I were talking off the air about that. They have that mystique. Um, I, that's not to say that they are any better or any worse than a Nicaraguan, a Dominican, um, Honduran. There, there's a difference to them for sure, and that's something we'll discuss. You know, what makes them different, and is it worth your time in tracking them down? Um, I would say yes, it is. Just to at least try one, because there is something very, very different about them, and we'll talk about that. Um, you know, if you're interested in Cuban cigars. Yeah, we will definitely talk about that because yeah, they are a part of of this culture and they hold a very a very weird mystique and people think that they're illegal for certain reasons and we'll cover all yeah, of that. We'll that's that's a future that. thing. But yeah, you know, we've made it this far. If if you've listened to this episode for this far, thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, we will have a website up here soon. Give us some feedback. We'll have some reviews on the website, things like that. We're trying to build a small community out of this. So give us some feedback. If you heard something you like, let us know. If you, if you have an idea for a topic, throw it at us. If you hear something, you're like, man, that's dumb. Yeah, call, make sure call you us out, us know that. Please um, call us out on it so we can fix it. But yeah, so that's where we're going to wrap. Uh, this has been a cool episode zero. Uh, I hope you guys are having a good a good day. Go fire up some yes, cigars. Yes, enjoy your cigar. Bruno and I are about to fire up a Hoyo de Monterey Excalibur, but... It is the collaboration they've done with Illusione, my all-time favorite cigar company. Yes. Uh, Dion, I've had this cigar already. Dion Giolito has absolutely killed this. I don't know. If, I don't think Bruno's had this no, yet. I so, have not. you know, next time we 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 record, we'll we'll talk about this. We're, that's what we're getting ready to fire up. So, you guys go fire up a great cigar and have a great day. We'll talk to you guys later. Have fun. See ya.